Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Make it plain. Make it plain. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make it plain. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, M.I.P. is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. All right, folks, make it plain tradition on Thursdays, Thursday Coast with the founder of the largest online progressive community and the founder of Civics with a Q. Let's see where things are. I admit I have been seeing too many political headlines, which are, I'm wondering if that's their job to discourage us. Uh, (laughs) Everything is negative. Dems in disarray, kind of like the New York Times. Dems in disarray. Biden doesn't have Latinos. Biden's loot is losing in Miami-Dade. That was one of the big bombshell headlines this week. Biden is avoiding the same town hall Trump had on ABC News. Um, uh, Vanity Fair, Biden has no plan to defeat disinformation. 
So I got to talk to you, man, to help me feel better about that. I mean, you, and people text me like, oh my God, Mark, what's going on? What are we going to do? And everybody's panicking. So we have Marcos to talk us out. <laughs> so I feel like my beat now is the don't panic beat. It's not the take it easy, we've got this in the bag, so you don't need to do anything beat, just to be very, very clear. But things are looking really good for us right now. And no matter what kind of data you look at, Biden has a national lead in the eight to nine point range in the electoral college, which obviously is what matters. The we have five in the polling aggregate. People wanna people wanna cherry pick polls. It drives me crazy, right? The poll that look you know Biden's up twelve in Florida. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Or the poll that says, oh, you know, Biden's only up two in Pennsylvania. No, he's not. No, he's not. Look at the polling aggregate. Look at the at the big picture. And if you look at that big picture, and if you look at the models that aggregate those polls, the Economist has a really good one. You can see that Joe Biden has a over five point lead in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And those three states are the game. You got a lot of other battleground states that Biden is, is leading in, Georgia, North Carolina, Florida, and Arizona. Those are all good to have states. They're nice insurance states. Uh, Biden does not need them to win the election. Right now, he has a plus five point lead in the three states that will decide this presidential election. And if you think, well, it's only five points, keep in mind, Biden is behind Trump by five points or less in South Carolina, Texas, Montana, Alaska, um, and I think that's it. So this is, if you're gonna be worried about Biden losing Michigan, you should also be excited about Biden winning Texas because you're looking at about the same kind of margin in that aggregate polling. And again, there was a poll recently that had Biden and Trump tied in Texas. You look at the aggregate polling, Trump's up by about five points in Texas, but it's, that's the balance. We're as close to winning Texas, which, be honest, that seems like <laughs> mind-blowing, right? We are as close to winning Texas as Trump is to winning Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Actually, worse off. That's the bottom line. Can we do better with Latinos? Yes, that's a, that's a, that's a Biden weakness. Can he do better with the young voters? Yes, that's a Biden weakness. But those are numbers that are improving. In fact, we just saw a poll out of uh, Florida Latinos that showed that Biden is now at the same level as Hillary Clinton was in 2016. Again, one poll, don't get overly excited, just so you don't get overly distraught over a single poll. This is what people aren't. And that's Florida, you said Florida. That was Florida, right. And now you look at, there's different data you can look at now. You can look at, the early vote. People are voting in North Carolina right now. And if you're in North Carolina, vote now, vote early. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing in the North Carolina early vote, there's, I forget the, the exact numbers, and it's early, it's the first few days. 25,000 ballots had been turned in. Of those 25,000 ballots, 56% were Democratic ballots, 13% were Republican ballots, right? So we are in the early days, I we are more motivated, we're definitely, uh, donating more money 
than you know than Republicans are to Trump and his his party. In fact, the Trump campaign right now is pretty much broke. They're not even advertising in Pennsylvania and Arizona. And again, I don't see a map where it's possible. It's mathematically possible. It's hard to see a map where Trump loses Pennsylvania and he wins the election. It's 23 electoral votes. It's it's a big chunk of votes. So I'm not worried. I'm more worried about the Senate and getting a big enough majority in the Senate that we can get statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. I'm more worried about that than I am about Donald Trump winning re-election. Mm. Okay. So, because uh, like I said, Politico is saying that he's doing worse in Miami-Dade, Biden is, than Hillary was doing in 2016. I'm not sure what poll they were looking at. I, I just, I find that somewhat hard to believe. Um, you're right, Trump is not, doesn't have ads in a few states. What's, what's, what's going on in Ohio? Does, is Ohio going to be a difference maker in this team? Um, yeah, let me, before I get to Ohio, uh, the, there is no doubt that Miami data is a problem for Democrats. It's the reason that we did not win the governorship and the Senate race in Florida in 2018 because Democrats made massive gains elsewhere in the state. And it looked like we had it because we were hitting all our benchmarks. And then Miami-Dade reported, and it, was, it, it almost seemed like the AP had, had screwed up, like, no, it can't be this low. And so there is a fundamental problem there. And just for a little backstory, the Latino community and the Obama administration don't particularly love each other because Obama promised comprehensive immigration reform within 30 days, and he made it a massive campaign plank in 2008. And then not only did it not happen, but he actually uh, presided over record deportations of, of uh, undocumented immigrants in the years that followed. So Joe Biden was part of that administration and there is that tension. And so it exists and it is what it is. It's something, it's- Is, it, is, it, people, is it Latinos not turning out to vote or Latinos voting Republican? No, no, not turning out to vote. The Latinos that vote Republican are, are older Cubans, Nicaraguans, and uh, Venezuelan immigrants. There are certain, I mean, we're not a monolithic community, you know, just like almost any group, right? Uh, there are certain groups that are Republican, Republican-leaning, but uh, Puerto Rico, Mexican-Americans are, are heavily Democratic. And what's more is that there's hundreds of thousands of new Puerto Ricans in Florida because of Hurricane Maria uh, that were basically chased out and, and Trump threw paper towels at them. And we know now that Michael Bloomberg is going to be spending $100 million in Florida to get the vote out for Joe Biden. And I really, if, if it was me, $50 million of that would go straight into getting these new Puerto Rican, uh, not immigrants because they're American citizens, but arrivals, uh, getting these new Puerto Rican arrivals registered and turned out to vote because that, that could be the difference right now. That and then paying off the fines of the newly enfranchised uh, felons that Republicans are trying to keep from voting. So... Um, but Ohio, Ohio, uh, I would not put a dime into Ohio. And the reason I wouldn't put a dime into Ohio is because if we win Ohio, we have 300, you know, Biden has 350 electoral votes at that point. He's, he's won Iowa and all the battleground states and Texas is close. And, 
And there are no down ballot races in Ohio. There's no governor's race, there's no Senate race, there's maybe one competitive house race in Ohio. So there's not a lot of bang for the buck. I mean, if you're gonna spend money to expand the map, I would rather see it go into Alaska in Montana that have competitive Senate and House races. And yeah, Trump, I mean, Biden doesn't need those three electoral votes in Alaska or Montana, but it would be cheap states, throw a couple million dollars, and maybe you can get some coattails and bring in some of those down ballot races. So Ohio would be, it would be, you know, we'd celebrate it and we'd, you know, we'd dunk that, <laughs> we'd, you know, we'd spike that football in Donald Trump's face. But it doesn't really matter that much electorally. Iowa's another one that has a critical and very tight Senate race down ballot. There's states that, that if you're going to expand the map, let's do it where we can get bang for the buck down the ballot as well. Um, you wrote about Nebraska too, didn't you? Yeah. So what's up with that? So Nebraska, um, there are two states that split the electoral votes, awarding one EV per congressional district. That's Maine, that is Nebraska. Hmm. Trump won that electoral vote in Maine. It's a rural district in Maine in 2016. We just saw a poll uh, yesterday from Quinnipiac that had Biden winning that Maine electoral vote, that rural vote by eight points. So maybe Trump doesn't win it this year. But I went through and I found four very realistic maps where we could end up with a 269-269 electoral college tie. And if that happens, the race gets thrown to the House of Representatives. And you think, well, good, because the Democrats had the lead in, this, in the House. But that's not how it works. How it works is that each state delegation gets one vote. And if you look at those state delegations, Republicans actually have a 26 to 24 state advantage because of all those single member districts, South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, Montana, Alaska, Wyoming. Those get the same vote as California does, right? The same one vote because our system of democracy is incredibly messed up. So um, we want to avoid that 269-269 tie at all costs. And one way to, to dramatically reduce that risk is to win the Omaha-based electoral uh, district in Nebraska. This is a, a district that uh, Hillary Clinton won or lost by two points. Obama won it in 2008. He lost it in 2010. Hillary Clinton almost won it in 2016. And we came within two points again in 2018 of picking up a house district, the house district that is, um, you know, in, in Omaha, Nebraska. So it makes perfect sense for us to target this district. Um, it's low-hanging fruit, in fact. It is suburban. And we've talked again and again and again about the importance of the suburbs. Of the 41 House seats Republicans picked up, that the Democrats picked up in 2018, 38 of them were in the suburbs. This is a suburban district. I think we're going to get it. And we had some polling earlier in the year that had Biden winning by double digits, you know, 10, 12 points in this district. And he just started advertising there. And the beautiful part about that is you advertise in Omaha, you're also advertising in Western Iowa. And Iowa, again, is important, not because, not just because it's a presidential battleground, but it's also a Senate battleground 
and the house district in that region is competitive as well, right? So again, you get you you sort of add on benefits to really hitting that Omaha district. But and it's it's crazy again, right? That Nebraska has this electoral vote up for grabs. I'm shocked that the Republican legislature in Nebraska didn't get rid of that system in the last couple of years because it's never going to benefit Republicans. It's only going to benefit Democrats. Uh, but that's our system, and it is the best way for Biden to avoid that dangerous 269-269 outcome. All right. The um, it we've talked about suburbs argument he's making, Trump is making the whole law and order thing. Is it having any effect? Is civics taking a look at that? So civics is tracking attitudes towards Black Lives Matter. Right. You know, we've been tracking that for years and years and years. Um, what we're seeing is that the numbers have, I mean, you can look at white college educated women, which is sort of the target of this law and order message, and it's just not moving. In fact, it's slightly improved. Support for Black Lives Matter is slightly up, close enough that you can say, well, it's statistical noise, but is it actually having an impact? No. And in fact, we just saw polling from Wisconsin uh, from, I believe, Marquette, which is one of the best pollsters in Wisconsin, that specifically asked which candidate do you trust more on law and order and to, and to tamp down on violence in cities. And Joe Biden handily won mm-hmm. that, that question. And it, wasn't, it, was, it was like 55 to 35. It wasn't even close. And the top lines in that poll had Biden winning Wisconsin by 10. So... Again, again, you don't look at one poll and go, okay, Biden's up by 10. But you look at the aggregate, Biden in Wisconsin's up about six points. And it is hard to see how Trump comes back from that. And if his core message is law and order, law and order, law and order, and people aren't buying it, which is what we're seeing in poll after poll after poll, then it lessens his ability to somehow mount this last minute comeback, which at this point, it's... You know, we're, we're two weeks away from the first debate, Mark, and we're less than two months away from election day. So this thing is, is coming on fast. Nancy Pelosi says Biden shouldn't debate him. What do you think? You think he should or should? I, she was, I think she was trolling. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think she, she was making a serious, reasoned argument. Um, and the idea being he's just a liar, right? Why should anybody talk to him? He's just a liar. And we saw with George Stephanopoulos on, what was that, Monday or Tuesday, where, um, where he just lies. He just flat out lies. I actually, I, I think they're going to debate. And there is, I suspect, a sliver of people who are truly wondering if Biden has the, you know, this whole cognitive decline stuff and and um this would put it to rest like once and for all i mean it it was just i mean trump will be flipping out about performance enhancing drugs or who the heck knows right i mean trump being trump but um i mean you got to do it just do it he lies just call it the lies and i'm sure as they do debate prep they're sitting there trying to game out how do you handle lie after lie after lie and he'll have a line, like he'll have something that I'm sure he'll say every time Trump lies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it might be, I, I remember back in the primary, I said like, the last thing I want to see is 
two old white men yelling at each other. <laughs> and so you're, we're going to get probably two old white men yelling at each other. But uh, um, I'm personally glad that, uh, that we're at a place now where the debates aren't make or break. They really don't move numbers in any real way. And I think we're past the point that anybody's mind is going to be changed about Donald Trump. People pretty much made up their minds. I, I wish there were a way to get more young voters, more Latino voters in. I'm, I'm afraid at this hour, whatever we have is what we have. I don't know how many of them move either. It's kind of pick off a few here and there every day as you try to convince people about the importance of voting, folks. Vote. I mean, because if you don't vote, you're still voting. When you don't vote as a young person, a young person of color, especially, you're voting still because there are more of us, meaning more people of color, more young people, more women, more LGBTs, more in that whole democratic or progressive, let's say non-Republican coalition. That's a larger number. And so when you don't vote, it increases the value of whatever that your Republican voting counterpart is. It increases their value. If you vote, then no matter what they do, it doesn't matter, right? But if you don't vote, then that gives them more power. That's literally what you're doing. So it's not like I had a guest on uh, uh, Malcolm Kenyatta, uh, who's a state representative from Pennsylvania, Marcos. Um, and he has a thing. He says, when people tell him, I don't vote, I don't do politics, he says, well, politics does you, right? <laughs> and I loved it. I mean, because that's true. And that's what, that's what people really need to, to try to, to, to get and understand. How is Bob Woodward, does that hurt him? Does that book hurt him? And I mean, we, we don't have to get into the ethics or non thereof of Bob Woodward. I, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, if, if Marcos, if somebody told us in April, you or me, if he said to either one of us, uh, yeah, this is serious, but I'm going to do a cover up. I don't think we would have waited, you know, no. so no. that's, yeah, yeah. I remind people when Bob Woodward was, was cozy with the Bush White House. Remember this, he wrote a first book, cozy, safe, you know, laudative, but then when the public began to turn against W. Bush around the war, his next book, he changed it. So like he had, he could have written two different books, another favorable book or one that was more in line with the public. And he all of a sudden became in line with the public against the war. Woodward wasn't always there. So with this one, the information is valuable. We'll take it. But the way you hold it, I don't know. But I guess what I'm asking you, does it, you think it makes a difference with, especially the, the white women we're talking about, these moderate people, I mean, it seems to me it would do something to them that hear someone on the record say all of a sudden, oh, I know how serious this is. This is terrible, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah. So my sense, again, nobody's mind is being changed, right? Okay. I don't think it wins new votes. I think what it does is it reinforces the choices of those people who have abandoned Trump. People already had those doubts. 
But who knows? Their, their husband probably is going to vote for Trump and is probably being obnoxious at home. Uh, there was a story about suburban white women who were like hiding in their rooms talking to reporters because they were afraid their, their husbands might hear, might hear them uh, you know, talk smack about Trump. Um, these are people who have doubts, and this just reinforces. And anytime you reinforce doubts, you're basically solidifying, you're locking down that vote. You're eliminating avenues uh, or vectors of mind changing. Now, I don't know what that vector of mind change might be, but this sort of forecloses doors. And we only have, what, 50 some days left before the election. So, so every day that Trump is forced to be on the defense of talking about you know, talking shit to veterans or or this issue is one day that he can't actually be doing things that may change people's opinions. So um, it to me, it's it's quite disastrous, especially for a White House that keeps trying to change the, the subject and to talk about the economy or talk about things that they'd be on stronger grounds talking about instead. They have to, he has to sit there and justify his, his lying and tells everybody like, yeah, this guy lies. And he, he's not even subtle about it. He doesn't even hide that he lies. Right, right. After bragging about it. Calling Woodward at two in the morning or whatever. I mean, it was crazy. It is what it is, as he says, uh, which is about as callous as, as you can be. Um, looking at your map, so uh, Arizona, Biden up for um, via the poll aggregate. Uh, wait, let me go back though. North Carolina, you said something. Fifty-six percent of ballots coming back already. In North Carolina, you said are Democrat, Democratic ballots, and the others thirteen. thirteen no, percent is Republican. Something like that, yeah. So what's, what are the rest of them then? Independent? Unaffiliated. Unaffiliated. Is that common in North Carolina? Yes. And, and it's almost everywhere. Unaffiliated are usually about a third of the electorate. And it's it's young voters. So unaffiliated is generally heavily um, young people who don't, like you talked about, right? Young people who don't want to associate with any party. Used to be Tea Party people. Um, I don't know if those people have re-registered as Republicans because they're all they're all in on Trumpian Republicanism, right? So there's no this was, you know, if you're Trumpian in the party of Jeb Bush, okay, you're you're like, I don't want to be a Republican. That's changed now. So uh it's those people. And then there are people who um just a hodgepodge of people who think that it makes them sound smarter to be independent like i'm my own person i make up my own mind issue by issue no they don't it's just usually laziness or or fake moral superiority uh because we know for a fact that only about three percent of people are actual true swing voters that may switch parties almost everybody else votes for 100 percent for one party or the other now who are these individuals i've actually been doing some digging trying to figure out and so far i don't know I know that they're about 38% young. That's very, it, it's um, about 13% over 65. So it's heavily skewed towards our core demographic. Okay. Beyond that, I'm not sure. So Arizona, North Carolina, Georgia, how are we looking in the Senate matchups? 
the on the presidential the, the, well the, the senate rates i mean oh, senate, senate senate um i i would say arizona colorado maine and north carolina are done deals those are definite pickups we're gonna lose alabama um i'm not seeing any traction there for our guy trump's gonna win the state by 40 points so um that right there is a 50 50 senate hmm. the we are looking really georgia yeah we're looking really good in both georgia senate seats with a caveat the osoff purdue race i actually there is an actual chance georgia has this very racist system that you have to have 50 percent of the vote to win outright on election night it's literally designed to keep black candidates from from winning and it's been very effective that way it's an old jim crow law we actually have a real chance of winning the osoff purdue race Purdue's a republican incumbent we have a chance of winning that in the first round osoff is 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 looking close to 50 percent in in polls that i've seen the second race is a special election and it's what's called a jungle primary, which means all candidates run on the same ballot and the top two vote getters move on to the to the um, to the runoff in January. Our two Democratic sort of leaning contenders, which are Raphael Warnock, who's a, uh, a preacher at um, MLK's old church. And a Lieberman, the, the nephew of Joe Lieberman. Uh, who nobody knows why he's running. They both do well in runoff scenarios against the Republicans. The problem is there is a very real chance that the top two vote getters will be the two Republicans, which would shut us out from the Kelly Loeffler and uh, and um, uh, I forgot it's the Trump Trump's guy. There's it's, uh, Collins, Doug Collins. It is critical that progressives in Georgia and nationally, if we're supporting people financially, to rally around Raphael Warnock. He, he is by far the best candidate. We would, that having a black voice like his in the Senate would be game changing. Uh, I'm not sure why this Lieberman a-hole is running. He's like his, his uncle, it's like this DNA, Lieberman DNA. And he may actually prevent us from from um, from even getting into that into those finals. So I'm really hoping to see a concerted effort to sort of bomb Lieberman out of the water and and really rally progressives around just not progressives, everybody, all Democrats rally around Raphael Warnock. Um, so I hope I hope you you work on on your side of things to to build up support and excitement and attention on that race because. If he makes it to the runoff, I think we have a really, really good chance of winning that race. And he would be amazing in the Senate. Hard to believe that Lieberman was on the ticket in 2000. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe that? So we have, so let's say we pick up those two Georgia seats. We're plus two in the Senate. We're 52-48. We have, uh, we're looking very strong in Iowa, but it's a very, very tight race. Very tight race to pick up a seat in Iowa. That'd be Teresa Greenfield against Joni Ernst. After that, things start, we have pickup opportunities in Montana and Alaska to red states that, again, are threatening to be competitive at the presidential level. So those are intriguing possibilities. We just had a Quinnipiac poll came out on Wednesday 
So one second, yeah, that uh, had uh, Jamie Harrison tied with Lindsey Graham in South Carolina, 48-48. Those last points are so hard because South Carolina is a Republican state. But, right, you know, from our numbers, Trump is only ahead by, you know, in single digits in South Carolina. Trump's going to win it, but the closer Biden can make it, the less ground Jamie Harrison has to make up. And there's a lot of Republicans that hate Lindsey Graham. And in fact, he's getting some of the blame for the Bob Woodward book, that he was the one that urged Trump to talk to Bob Woodward. Good, good, good. So there is, I think we're looking good. I think we're locked in at 53, uh, 50, 50 Senate. I think we're looking pretty good at a 53, 47 Democratic Senate. And then it gets tough to eke out. But I think to get to DC statehood, we need to get to 55 because you're not going to, you're not going to get Joe Manchin to eliminate the filibuster. You're not going to get, uh, Kristen Sinema is going to be a pain in the butt in Arizona. Uh, John Hinkalooper, who is going to be newly elected is in that mold. He's going to be an a-hole. We need some padding, if nothing else, to give those, those, uh, those right wing Democrats space to be themselves. Like, we don't want to depend on them for the vote. They may come through. Who knows? Manchin, every once in a while, it comes through. We can't be depending on them to do so. So the more of a padding we can get, the better. You know, I should know this as a, as a statehood activist. Does a president need to sign a statehood bill? It's a, it'll just be a law. Yeah. So it would have to go through both chambers of Congress and then signed by the president. Now, with Puerto Rico, you have the caveat that you really need to ask them what they want. Well, they, um, they, they've done that once or twice. Three times. But they were, they were non-binding. And there was all sorts of local politics. People were boycotting it. I mean, it was, it was not a serious vote. If you well, come I've in and say... The first big time they did it. They put two things on the ballot, Marcos, and that kind of split it. <clears throat> you could vote for statehood or independence. <clears throat> and a majority of people voted for one of the two. Everybody was against remaining a territory. Yeah. I don't remember. It was very close between statehood and independence, but there was still a movement in Puerto Rico. Hey, we want to be an independent nation. You know, so I don't know if they have to do that again. I don't, I'm not sure. I, they, I, like yeah, I, don't, I don't know what that referendum might look like. I mean, it might be back to the three options, right? Statehood, uh, colony, and uh, not colony. That's why it's a colony, but um, commonwealth. Statehood, commonwealth, or uh, territory, or um, independence. Independence actually has not had a lot of support. I mean, I think Puerto Rico recognizes that they can't really um, survive or thrive as a nation. I mean, they're barely hanging on right now under favorable, fairly favorable terms um, because of the hurricane and you know, Trump's refusal to help and, and all that stuff. It would be tough for them, I think, as an independent nation. Um, so it really comes down to statehood and, and status quo. And at this point, um, I suspect statehood would, would, um, would carry the day. But there's a lot of questions. Do Puerto Ricans in the mainland vote? Do all those Puerto Ricans that, that ended up in Orlando do they vote? There, there's, there's, it's, it's fairly complicated. I'm not sure how you even begin to sort that out. 
So I'm glad we're talking about this. The the next referendum, Puerto Rican status referendum, is on the ballot this November third. Oh, there it, is. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I had no idea. It will be the sixth in history on their status. The previous one having been in 2017, Marcos, and it was that one where statehood won with 97 percent of the vote. And and independence only got one percent. Interestingly enough, I didn't realize that there was one before that was closer. Six yeah, referendums. There was a boycott there. Okay, six yeah. referendum November third, twenty twenty. First referendum with a simple yes or no question, with voters having the option of voting for or against a U.S. state. So it'll be simple, straight up and down. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll know how that's going to go. But I mean, if you get two senators from Puerto Rico and two senators from D.C., this that will negate, nullify um, this this old South control over the Senate. And then hopefully... It, it mitigates it. Because remember, they have North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Wyoming. I mean, they have all those single... Um, uh, but it mitigates that damage. And don't forget, uh, Puerto Rico, I think, would have five Congress people, uh, which means that Puerto Rico would have seven electoral votes in the presidential election. That itself reshapes the map. Yeah, yeah that's true. We got to get rid of electoral college, though, don't we? Isn't that ultimately what we have to do? Uh, it would, I mean, it would be nice. It would be, it, it would, it would be, you know, it's interesting. We could have a whole show, I think, talking about the, the, the politics of eliminating the electoral college and how a lot of states misunderstand um, how they are failed by the current system. Because right now, all the money, all the attention is going to what, seven battlegrounds? Yeah. I guess Minnesota is getting some attention. Nevada is getting some attention. They're, but, um, 10 states are getting all, all the attention. That means the bulk of America is completely, utterly being ignored. Now, if you have a popular vote, then it's important for the Democratic candidate to get the black vote. So you would be down in the, in the black belt, you know, down in the Mississippi Delta. Like if you're a black candidate, uh, if you're a Democratic candidate, you want that vote. You're down in those Texas border counties, you know, getting that Latino vote. You're looking for your, your mass of voter and and if you're Republican, also you're 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 going to rural Kansas. You know you're you're going to where your votes are. And right now, candidates aren't. Candidates are going to specific states and micro-targeting the heck out of those states because not a lot of voters are moving. Yep. Yeah. And um, I don't know how that's good for democracy. I mean, it's not. Well, and it's interesting the opposite because at one point, those states would make the opposite argument. That if there were not the electoral college, uh, candidates would only campaign where the largest numbers of voters are, and would fly over places like Iowa, which is is probably not false, but but it kind of balances out when you think about um, candidates who would normally ignore Mississippi and Alabama, and instead they're in play with a popular vote. If you want the black yeah. vote. And I, I mean, think about California, right? Democratic states, like 60% Democratic. You're right. like, okay, why would a Republican spend time there? 
there's 10 million Republicans in California. <laughs> I mean, that's bigger than how many states? Yeah. Like over half of them. I mean, there are masses of Republican voters in California, and suddenly they would matter. Yeah, yeah. They right would. now, they don't matter. Lastly, Trump's out of money. Biden has plenty of money. He can, he can stick, get on the air. But do the airwaves matter in your calculation when you say most people's minds are made up? I mean, what can... Can television still help Biden in some places if he needs it? So um, nobody's mind's changing. There's, there's not a single 30-second ad that will change anybody's mind. Where it might have value is in things like Trump saying, Biden wants to defund the police, right? And then the Biden, you know, the Biden campaign can put up an ad with Biden saying, you know, I want to reform the police, whatever, right? You can, you can rebut these claims, and we all know that Trump can say anything and, and get you know millions of dollars of free coverage on the traditional media while Biden is all but ignored. So it gives them a way to get out a message. Um, is it, does it matter? I would guess not. Nobody's about to test that. <laughs> it's, too, it's too dangerous a theory to test. And um, he's got the money, I, I guess. People want to, want to fund it. You know, you might as well spend it. I would like to see a lot of that money spent on actually the groups that can get the vote out because that'll make a huge difference in, in most of these places. Are people's minds going to change? No. Can our people decide not to, to not to vote? Of course. It happens every, every cycle. And all those young voters we were just talking about uh, who don't think politics matters, Every one of those is likely a Democratic voter. Those are our voters who are disenchanted and, and, and can't find a reason to vote. Send some money, send some love to the organizations to talk to these individuals, to have those conversations one-on-one -on -one and get those people to turn out and vote. That's gonna make a huge difference, uh, not just in places like, like, um, like Detroit, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia, which obviously are gonna be massive, massive GOTV operations, but Miami-Dade, which has been really, really quiet and, and non-performing. Texas, I mean, the reason Texas is not a purple or blue state is just because Latinos don't vote. And so having those conversations and having funding the organizations that talk to us, they're all chronically underfunded, chronically underfunded. So getting resources to those groups that can actually help get out the vote, I think would be the best way to spend this money because he has hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that you're streaming in. Uh, money is not, and if it just all goes to TV stations in 10 states, it'll be absolutely devastating loss of opportunity. Good point, good point. Thursday Coast, Marcos, Melissa, civics with a Q.com as well, dailycoast.com. Always, buddy. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Have a great day, great weekend. Stay safe. And everybody watching and listening, please, please, please. Uh, COVID hasn't gone away. Keep being safe. And folks, keep Marcos and everyone in your prayers on the West Coast with all the, the fires. So it's in your air. It's, we had, we've had the worst air in the world a week running. I mean, we woke up one day and the sky was orange. And it was like that the entire day. Um, it is ap apocalyptic. And... I, I mean, I don't want to complain too much because people are losing their homes right. uh, and their lives. But it's, you know, I can't even take my kids for a walk now 
and it was one of the few ways to get them out of the house because of the because of the quarantine you know, stay in place and you know even that now can't even open windows so it's um and this is the new climate change reality and the gulf coast the gulf states are about to get drowned with this new uh hurricane that's about to hit them we have a record number of named storms in the gulf we have these rampaging fires on the west coast this is our new climate change reality. You have the flooding in Iowa. I mean, nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. And people need to really, really wake up to the, the critical importance of, I mean, too late to damage is being done, right? Now we, all we can do is mitigate this uh, best we can. All right. Hang in there, buddy. Be safe. Thank you. Hey, bye-bye. All right, bye. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.